everything just fell in place. Now, Girish, honestly, when I think of it, like I'm thinking, what the heck was I thinking, first of all? And how did all this happen? I think it was like, you know, God's grace and destiny. Like it was meant to happen. Like there was no planning at all. Nothing. Hi, I'm Jessica. And I'm Girish. And this is the Destiny Benders podcast, where we explore the impact of international education on the lives of students and professionals from across the globe. It's a podcast for international educators, by international educators, and about international educators. And in each episode, we'll be meeting with Destiny Benders of our industry. We'll look beyond the job title and really get to know the people whose mission it is to change lives and bend destinies. Our guest today is Derek Alex. He is the Director of International Admissions at the University of Houston. Derek, welcome. Thank you for joining us on Destiny Benders. Today, the story is all about you. How did you get into international education? We want to hear about the story of your journey, the paths you took, where life led you to the point where you are in your international education career today. Thank you, Jessica. Really excited to be part of this. Thank you, Girish. So it all started, I think, when I was five years old and I had this vision of being an international educator. No, nothing like that happened. Uh, it all honestly, like, you know, it was it, like my journey into international education was a complete accident. I'll take you back, like, you know, I'll take you back to where my journey started to come to the United States, because in, in a way, like, you know, it all is tied with the different pieces that made me come in this field. So this was late 90s. Internet was still not around in the city that I was growing up. There was very less or very limited exchange of information or contact. Like I had a cousin who used to live in New Jersey back then. Once in a while, like, you know, we'll get a Christmas card from them. That's it. Beyond that, like, you know, I did not really have a lot of information about the United States, except for like, you know, what I saw in movies, but it was always fascinating. And so in the late nineties, one of like, you know, some, somebody that we knew a family friend, that entire family migrated to the United States. And I, and like, I don't even remember, like maybe in one of the one evening, like I'm sitting with my mom and I just made a comment that, oh, they're so lucky or something like that. I don't even remember, but something on those lines. And then I went along like, you know, I moved on and I went on with my day or evening. My mom probably thought that, oh, he is really fascinated by USA and he wants to go there. So she sent a letter. There was no email. My mom didn't have an email account back then. She sent a letter to my cousin that lived in New Jersey. My cousin, a few days, well, actually it was, I think, weeks later, we got a letter in the mail where he said that, oh, it's a really good idea for Derek to come to the United States. But what my mom was asking him was like, can he come and stay with you guys? Like, you know, just like, you know, do a short summer, like, you know, maybe a month during the summer. That way he can like, you know, go to different places and like just have the U.S. experience. And then he comes back. When my cousin replied, like basically what he stated was he's so young, don't send him for a month. 
send him here so that he can get a degree in the United States. But he also in that letter mentioned that in regards to him coming and going to school here, I have no information. So that is something that he will have to research. He will have to find the right school. My mom showed me the letter, sounded fascinating, but then I did not know what the next step would be. Neither did she. I think a few days later, weeks later or a month <laughs> later, or but somewhere like, you know, where this was still, this thought was still in my mind that, oh, I have an opportunity to go to US. I see this billboard where it says like study in USA or something like that. Like, you know, it was near my house. And it was new. I took the address and I showed up. Uh, yeah. And there is this one room in which there is this one guy with a US map in the background. There's nothing else. There are two chairs and he's sitting like, you know, he's basically, he has a desk and he's sitting there. There was nothing else. There was no computer, nothing. And he welcomed me and he asked me if I would have some chai. And he said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go to US. And he said, oh yeah. And like, you know, I can get you to US. Most of what he said, honestly, did not make any sense to me. I'd never done any research, had never looked for any information regarding studying in the US. He, like I told him that I need to go to New Jersey. That's where my cousin lives. So that's where you need to send me. And he said, of course. And he asked me to come back with, I forget the exact amount. Maybe it was a couple hundred US dollars back then. The next time, like, and I think a few days later, I went back with the money and he made me fill out a form. I filled out that form. And I gave him my transcripts. I finished my undergrad year. My scores were pretty good. So I gave him like, you know, my mark sheets. And he asked me to take, I think he asked me to take TOEFL and GMAT. He gave me the information. I scheduled those tests. I took the test and I sent him the results. I moved on with my life. Like once in a while, I'll call him and he will say, oh yeah, I'm working on it. And then in the month of December is when he finally called me and he said, oh, congratulations. Come, I got you admission and I have your I-20. Wow. And I'm like, okay. So then I show up in his office. I was so ignorant. The only question I go and ask him is, is it in New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> Where, whereabouts in India were you, Derek? Uh, I, I, I was in Gujarat. You're in Gujarat, okay. So uh, is it in New Jersey? So he got up from his chair and he had this US map behind, like, you know, on the wall, right behind him. He showed me it's right here, like, you know, and it was in Connecticut. Oh, well, <laughs> on the map, US, like New Jersey and Connecticut sound, look like, you know, I could walk from one place to the other. <laughs> like, okay. I was like, okay, okay, that's fine. And then he said, here's your I-20. I was like, what is this? Like, I had never heard that word before that. Gives me an I-20 an admit letter. I'm reading it. I'm like, where the heck is it? I don't even see my name on this. I'm trying to find my name on that I-20 and my name is missing. Like, so my first name is Derek. My last name is Alex. On the I-20, the first name is Alexander and the last name is Alex or or, or vice versa. I don't remember exactly, but it was just, the I-20 just said Alex Alexander. <laughs> I'm like, but whose name is that? That's not me. Because the thing is, what happened is I never filled out any university's application. I just filled out his form. And I don't know who on my behalf went and completed a university application. He looks at it. I look at it. And he's like, oh, no problem. We'll take care of it. I was like, okay. But there is a slight change in plans. I was like, okay. He tells me like, like, you know, this I-20 was supposed to be for spring. I was like, what does that mean? You would have gone in Jan, but now you will go in fall, which means you will now go in August. I was like, August of next year? No, I want to go right now. <laughs> so, 
So he said, no, you cannot go this because I need to send this back to the university and get this changed so that you have the right I-20 because you will need to use this to go to the consulate and get your visa. I said, no, I don't want to wait till August. I told him that I will accept that I-20 that he had. And he said, if you take this I-20, I'm not guaranteeing that you would get your visa. I'm giving you instructions and I'm guiding you on what you need to do. But if you're not going to follow it, it's your own responsibility. And I said, it's absolutely fine. I took that I-20 that does not have my name. On it. I scheduled an appointment and the date I get is Jan 17th. On my I-20, it says the school starts on Jan 18th. Wow. I have an I-20 that does not have my name. I have a passport which says Derek Alex. This was before 9-11, okay? I go to Mumbai and this also, like, you know, I took one of my friends with me. So my friend and I, like, you know, we went to Mumbai and I get in that long line early in the morning, like near Breach Candy Hospital. Mm-hmm. I was not tense at all because for me, honestly, I think it was more of a fun experience. I take that passport. My number comes. I take that I-20, go to the go to the officer who, uh, who called me and he basically takes the documents. He's flipping the I-20 pages, looked at my passport. I th- he only asked me one question. Why do you want to go and study at University of Bridgeport? I, I must have said something like it sounded like it was right. So he then like I, then I see him take that stamp and he's about to stamp it. And like in my mind, I'm like, yes. And then he put it back on the side and then again started flipping pages. And I was like, shoot, he saw my name. <laughs> In fact, his question was different. He said, your school starts on the 18th. And then he looks at his watch and he's like, today is the 17th. Where's your extension letter? And I'm like, I've never even heard that word that you need an extension letter. Like, you know, if the school is starting tomorrow. I, I remember like, you know, what I said was, I don't have it on me. I don't know what he thought. Maybe he thought because I was saying I don't have it on me. Maybe he thought I have it and I didn't have it at that time. Yeah, at that point, yeah. (laughs) I never said at point. I said, I don't have it on me, but maybe it sounded like I was going to continue. But he takes the stamp and he stamps approved on my passport. Next thing, which I should have been worried about, I was completely ignorant to the fact that I have to enter through JFK and at the port of entry, I'll have to give my A20 and my passport. I did that. Of course, like I didn't know, like, you know, what they're looking, what they're checking. I arrived in the United States with an I-20 and the passport that did not match. At JFK, I had no issues. I got entry in the United States. (laughs) Once I came on campus, I did go and get that corrected and they issued me a new I-20. So the next time I traveled, I had the right documents. But that first instance when this happened, and I still have that I-20 with the stamp. (laughs) <laughs> I've saved it. I still have it. So that's how I came to the United States. I think a month after I had arrived, I got a grad assistant position in the marketing office for the university. And what happened was the marketing office was on the same floor where they had the, I think it was called Division of Enrollment Management or something. They were both on the same floor. I was international. So anytime there were students, people of color, people with an accent, anybody that came on that sixth floor, and if she saw me, she'll be like, Eric, can you go and help them? I did not even work for her. I used to work for the marketing department, but just because I was international, like, you know, and if she saw me around, she'll say, hey, help. And my boss, I believe my boss was okay because she never complained about it. So, but, but the thing is, I enjoyed that experience because I would help with random stuff like finding off-campus housing, opening a bank account. And I started feeling important. I felt I was getting recognition. 
I was about to graduate through one of my campus contacts. Like there was another student who I think had done an internship or something at People's Bank. So he said, hey, there was a job opening for a financial analyst. Why don't you apply there? So I applied for that job and I got selected. And I was going to start the week after I graduate from the university. However, one thing like, you know, because I did not want to lose that opportunity of getting that appointment or getting that offer. I never told them that I would need to get sponsored after my first year of OPT because I was I, in my mind, I'm thinking like, hey, I'll pull myself in the first six months and then I'll tell them, hey, if you want to keep me, you need to do this. So I was happy with like, you know, they gave me an offer and I was mentally getting ready. I remember like, you know, going and buying a new suit for my mm -hmm. first day and stuff like that. At that time, like, you know, my boss, like it was going to be my last day working as a GA in the office. So my boss was giving a farewell as I was leaving. And so she invited everybody that was on that floor. So of course, she invited this lady who used to call me anytime there was an international person there. <laughs> so she comes, she comes there and she came to me and said, Derek, I need to speak with you. After the party, come and see me. I'm like, okay. So the party gets over and then I go to see her and she says, do you want to work here? Because probably in her mind, she's thinking, if he leaves, who's going to help all these kids that come here? <laughs> so, so she's like, I'll make you a counselor. Like I did not thank her. Or, my question back to her was, are you going to sponsor me? <laughs> the like, most important question. Yeah, for me. <laughs> the only thing that runs in my mind, because I was like, okay, let me see if she's going to. So that sounded very promising. That sounded like, you know, the easiest way to get my H1. And she said, okay, so if you want to work here, we'll have an interview on Monday. I'm like, okay. And I don't know what exactly to expect from that interview. The following Monday, when I show up in her office, it's only her. So there was nobody, there was no search committee, nothing. And I wore that suit that I actually had bought before for my first day. <laughs> to be a financial analyst. Yeah. yeah. So I took that suit out, I put that on and I go for my interview. And then she comes with a pen and paper and sits down on the other side of the long table. And she says, okay, what's your name? <laughs> she says, what's your name? I'm like, Derek, what's your last name? Alex. All right. <laughs> Interview over. You're hired. Okay. What? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Derek, yeah. my friend, you, you realize that you're probably one of the luckiest guys out there, right? <laughs> yep. Your whole story about this uh -huh. accidental admission and, <laughs> and visa Not and job. Nothing planned. You know the stories of millions yep. of students who go through that process. I know. I they, know would I kill. <laughs> they would kill for your story because my I story know. is exactly the opposite. And I'm listening really? to you going, man, this guy is so <laughs> lucky. Everything just fell in place. Now, Girish, honestly, when I think of it, like I'm thinking, what the heck was I thinking, first of all? And how did all this happened. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what I said. Your destiny was bent, right? Your life was changed through mm -hmm. a bunch of happenstance and accidents, mm -hmm. right? So I started in Bridgeport. I worked there, I think about three, three years, something like that. Then like, you know, I started getting a good hang of like, you know, how this field works, what to expect. But honestly, like, you know, when I would call my parents and tell them what I'm doing, they had no clue. They would be like, why do you have to recruit students? Don't students want to go to college? <laughs> why do you have to go out and tell them to come to your university? Like, you know, that did not make any sense. I started enjoying that experience. And then at that time, there was an opening at 
University of Colorado, I applied for that job. And I think that was a life-changing experience. When I moved to Denver, they had an international admissions, well, I would not call it an office. International admissions was like a stepchild sitting in domestic admissions. It was on nobody's radar, but it was part of the domestic admissions office. And the reason they had hired me was they were moving it out from domestic and they were moving it into the international education office itself. Like, you know, I think it was a great opportunity for me to start everything from scratch. Like, you know, that's where I started. That's where the journey started. So right from like working on an application form, which was more robust, more trendy, marketing materials, Building connections like internal and external, like, you know, with stakeholders on campus, working with institutional research, working with colleges. At that time, one of the big things was SACAM was starting Mm -hmm. to sponsor students. Other ministries, embassies were starting to like send students. So like, you know, building those key partnerships in Washington, D.C. So there was a lot of things. There was a lot of things I got involved in, but it was also a fantastic learning experience for me. My kids are getting older. They need to be in like, you know, places with a lot of opportunities and what better place than Houston. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to move to Houston. When I came to Houston, like, you know, I was hired to look after domestic admissions processing, but the background and the knowledge that I had on the international side for all these years, like, you know, was something that the university really recognized. And also like, you know, over the years, I was also heavily involved, like in all the uh, all the schools, like except for my first institution, University of Bridgeport, all the other institutions, I also helped them launch agency partnerships. University of Colorado, which was a public institution, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, which was a public institution. That also meant like, you know, really raising awareness about how agencies can benefit institutions, how to identify the right agents. And I've you know, over the years, like since AIRC was found, It was founded in 2008 when I was in Colorado. Like I have been actively involved in different roles with AIRC. So that also helped me like identify and vet agencies and bring in right partners. When I came to University of Houston, again, because of the background and the experience I was bringing in that front as well, the university, you know, I was happy that they were ready to give me that responsibility and support me in my initiative of like an opening doors to agency recruitment. The thing that like end of the day, what was also really satisfying was the student experiences. When I think of all these different students, like, you know, when I see families and kids planning. And I think about like, how on earth did I come here? I'll share one story, one of the student experiences, like, you know, that I think was pretty, like, in a way it was funny, but it was also awesome because like this happened when I was recruiting for Colorado and I happened to go, you you both are familiar with Education USA offices, right? Yes, absolutely. So there is a satellite, there was a satellite office in Ahmedabad. I was invited to do a like a presentation or something. So I went there, I did my, I finished my presentation, students, like parents, everybody asked questions and then everybody leaves. And the advisor said, hey, Derek, like, you know, just wait, don't leave. I have something for you. And she goes inside her office to get like, you know, whatever she had for me. And like, you know, I'm in that reception area and I just sat down there. A student walks in and um, he sits down next to me. I don't know, like we started talking and I started asking him questions and he said he was from St. Xavier's. 
And that was the school I went to. Mm. Like, hey, like is so-and-so, like, you know, then you start talking about teachers and the teachers' nicknames and you have a good laugh and, you know, all that wonderful mm. stuff. So I said, why are you here? And he said, oh, I just came to get more information about like applying to U.S. That's when I said, hey, I work for University of Colorado. If you ever think of Colorado, let me know. He says, I want to come to Colorado. And so in the meantime, like this little something that the advisor had for me, she gives it to me. This student never met with the advisor. He walks out with me. Basically, we stayed in touch. He started communicating with me. I helped him with getting admission to the University of Colorado. And finally, he comes on campus. So Derek, um, yeah. you, you said something. I want to go back to something you said a few minutes sure. ago. You said the Bridgeport opportunity was something that was just that fell in your lap. It was something that you took it because of, you know, the H1 and all of that. Yeah. But then you said you had a conscious decision to go to University of Colorado, Denver. And when you were there, it was a life-changing experience. Yes. What was it about that that was life-changing, which I'm assuming is what has kept you in international education all these years? When I went there and I saw the way they did not have things in place and the opportunities I got through that, like, you know, it was not a well-set, well-oiled machine. Like, you know, there were a lot of things that I had to start from scratch and just building things as simple as a communication plan, like, you know, getting data organized so that, you know, we can build strategies for international recruitment, getting sponsors on board to send students to University of Colorado building those connections, getting those contacts, like, you know, that's what I really enjoyed. And plus these student experiences to top on that. That's where I got that satisfaction. So uh, let me complete, like, you know, that story that I was saying is kind of tied to this. That student that I had this random conversation he got a job in Apple and I'm still in touch with him. Basically, like, you know, for me to be a part of some student's journey, like somebody who was, you know, just trying to find a school in the U.S. to him landing a job in Apple, like, you know, we still joke. I always tell him, like, if you were to write your autobiography, like you have to write at least a chapter on me because otherwise there won't be any link between you being in Ahmedabad and not working at Apple. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, you know, just like, you know, being part of that su- success stories. Not that like, you know, I'm, it's not that I'm, thinking of like, you know, how, how positive influence I'm on the society. It's not like that, but it's just feeling happy. But God. you know what, Derek, it's uh-huh. okay to think like that. I think it's I know, okay I to think you are changing <laughs> lives and you are having a positive impact on those students' lives. And that's mm-hmm. great. I mean, that's exciting to know that you, for that one child and probably many others, you yeah. changed his whole life. And now he's working at Apple, which is exactly. a dream for a lot of people. I think that's what has kept me going all these years. Thank you so much. That was a fascinating and very amusing story. Leaves leaves me thinking all the time. What was I thinking of in my life? I know, I know. But isn't that the way with so many of life's Uh decisions? You know, it's like, what the heck was I thinking? But it ends up working out somehow. Yeah, yeah. Well, now that you've been in the field for 20 plus years and have stayed in it because you've really enjoyed it, what guide guidance or advice or anything that you'd give to people who are considering that? Because there are a lot of people in our field who are accidental international educators. And whether they are deliberately planning it or if they're just an opportunity lands in their lap, what kind of advice would you give for them? Do it if you believe in it. Do it if you have a passion. Don't force it upon yourself as a job. One, it doesn't it's not the best paying job in the industry, but if it's something that you enjoy doing, 
it's worth it. Yeah. Wonderful. Absolutely. We have a fun thing we like to do, Derek, to end out the podcast. So we're going to end with a series of what we call quick fire questions. Okay. And oh so God. these are just, these are just fun questions, nothing okay. too taxing. Um, okay. And so we're going to ask you a couple of questions and you give us the answer that pops into your head. Okay. Quick fire question. Tell us briefly about your most memorable meal. Can it be good or bad? Yeah. Good or bad. So this was my H1 experience. Oh my God. I, my life is filled with stories. Uh, so, so I was going to, this was like when I was in Bridgeport, I was going to go to Quebec for my getting my H1 stamp. And one of my very good friends, like he's Italian, he was born and raised in New York. Like he wrote, he took me to uh, Quebec in Canada to get my visa stamp, my H first H1. And so I get my visa stamped in the morning and in the evening, he had planned a surprise party for me in one of the most fanciest restaurants in Quebec, which he didn't tell me. If he had told me in advance, I would have said I would have made better plans because we go to the restaurant and he has this meal, which has a roasted bunny. Oh, my goodness. With it looking like a bunny. Oh I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> and I'm a big time animal lover. Like I, of course, like an I eat if it's cooked and as long as I don't know what it is like well if I've not seen the <laughs> animal live I think I'm okay right now but but the thing is this thing looks like a bunny I'm like are you crazy I did not even taste it quite memorable <laughs> for sure. uh, what is your favorite place to recruit from India <laughs> it's too obvious of a question <laughs> yeah all right how about favorite movie Girish probably knows this surely wow classic Anyway, this was brilliant, uh, Derek. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Clearly, I didn't know a lot about it, but uh, I'm excited that we got to learn more. But man, you're an incredibly lucky man. Join us for the next episode of Destiny Benders when we speak with Sally and Jonathan Endwadi teachers and university advisors at St. Andrew's School in Turi, Kenya.